We've been working through a summer series focused on the soil of our heart because it's from that soil that comes forth the fruit and the action of our life. We have an opportunity to be cultivated this morning by Psalm 49. This psalm focuses largely on wisdom and wealth. Now, it's ironic that Tim is halfway across the globe in Africa somewhere, and I'm the one here on the stage talking about money and having to preach on that topic. Um, But all jokes aside, no matter how large or small, we all own things. We all earn income. Therefore, we all must grow in our maturity as we learn how to steward those things. Now, before I start, I want to disclose that um, and remind us that in the beginning, God created the material world. And he tells us in Genesis that that material world was good. What went wrong in the equation wasn't the world. It was our heart. He created the material world, and he put us in it to maintain and to protect the goodness. We were made to be caretakers, stewards, workers. Unfortunately, we have a proclivity to misunderstand our purpose and misplace our worship. When we do so, we disorder our life, and we disorder the world around us. So that being said, it's not unholy to build wealth, and it's not unholy to enjoy the things of this world. It was all made to be good. What makes it good or bad is how we view the things of this world, how we pursue the things of this world, and how we use them. Our text this morning is intended to properly organize our heart by exposing areas of potential idolatry. It does this so that we may worship God alone and thus achieve higher levels of understanding and wisdom regarding the material world as we engage in it. Psalm 49 has three primary teaching points. They're direct, they're relevant, and they're simple in concept. So fortunately for you, the message will be uh, rather loaded and also compact. So um, uh, personally, that's, that's more my style, and I appreciate that. Um, so with, that, with all that to say, I'm going to pray for us. Um, we'll read the word. You can follow on the screens, and um, then we'll unload the meaning of that word for us today. So join me in prayer. Father, thank you for bringing us here for meeting us where we are. Thank you for not leaving us alone in our transgression, but thank you for meeting us in it and choosing to make us better. We can't do this on our own. Help us to hear your word and apply it. That way, that way we might have a better, more meaningful, more rich, more holy of a life. Amen. Psalm 49. Hear this, all you peoples. Listen, all who live in this world, both low and high, rich and poor alike. My mouth will speak words of wisdom. 
The meditation of my heart will give you understanding. I will turn my ear to a proverb. With the harp, I will expound my riddle. Why should I fear when evil days come, when wicked deceivers surround me? Those who trust in their wealth and boast of their great riches. No one can redeem the life of another or give to God a ransom for them. The ransom for a life is costly. No payment is ever enough so that we should live on forever and not see decay. For all can see that the wise die, that the foolish and the senseless also perish, leaving their wealth to others. Their tombs will remain their houses forever, their dwellings for endless generations. Though they had named lands after themselves, people, despite their wealth, do not endure. They're like the beasts that perish. This is the fate of those who trust in themselves and of their followers who approve their sayings. They are like sheep and are destined to die. Death will be their shepherd. Their forms will decay in the grave far from their princely mansions, but God will redeem me from the realm of the dead. He will surely take me to himself. Do not be overawed when others grow rich, when the splendor of their houses increases, for they will take nothing with them when they die. Their splendor will not descend with them. Though while they live, they count themselves blessed, and people praise you when you prosper, they will join those who have gone before them, who will never see the light of life again. People who have wealth but lack understanding are like the beasts that perish. All right, there's a lot in that, so uh, let's get started. The first teaching point that we find in Psalm 49 is found in verses 7 through 12. We often choose to worship things that we want instead of worshiping the one that can give us what we really need. We're born internally wired for Eden, but we experience a world full of chaos, beauty, tragedy, and joy. This life that we have inherited takes place somewhere in between the fall and the redemption of the cosmos. What we truly need in this life is salvation from our broken self. As we seek a redeemed mind, body, and soul that will take permanent residence in the kingdom of God. We need this salvation so that we're able to maximize our short time on this side of eternity as workers, as spouses, as parents, and friends. The only place to find this salvation is in the loving embrace of our Creator and Savior. What we often want, however, is to mask our broken self with a perfectly curated image, an image to serve as a snapshot of the lifestyle that we believe will save us and in turn maximize our time on earth. The life or the place that we turn in order to access this form of salvation, is often the sterile embrace of the almighty dollar. When we go to our Father for salvation, he carefully prunes and cultivates our soul in order to bring us into the fullness of who we were created to be. As a result, we become more effective and efficient at this thing called life. He empowers us to better manage and handle people in our work, he empowers us to better lead and shape our children. 
He gives us wisdom that leads to fulfilling actions that drastically improve our life and the lives of those around us. He redeems us so that we can better leverage our skills, opportunities, and wealth, so that we can actually better enjoy those things as we add value to our family and our community. On the contrary, if we look to wealth or a certain lifestyle for our salvation, we enter a state of chronic underperformance. If we put if we pursue if we put our pursuit of wealth in the place of God, we arrest our own development. Instead of experiencing redemption in our life, we actually leave our inadequacies and faults unchecked and even often magnified. Our psalm teaches us that wealth does not have sufficient power within it to redeem or save our life. It is a necessary tool for providing food, clothing, and shelter. It also serves as a wonderful asset for attaining many beautiful experiences in life. What it simply cannot do is fuel or salvage our soul. I'm finding out more and more that in life, there's no such thing as a victimless crime. If we worship things in the place of God, our lack of growth adversely affects ourself and other people. Our salvation not only determines our own eternity, but it also impacts the eternity of others. We must go to the one who can save and not worship something that cannot Our second point can be found in verses 16 through 17. Don't be impressed by the wrong stuff. Money Magazine published an article recently that focused on research performed by Purdue University. Their aim was to study the correlation between income and happiness. What they found is that happiness generally um, increased with income up to the point of $95,000 annual salary. What they found is after that $95,000 point, as income continued to climb, happiness and emotional well-being actually appeared to start dropping off. Now, I'm sure we're all a bunch of outliers in that, you know, um, but this is a study on the general population. Why this phenomenon? The article proposes that declines in emotional well-being and life satisfaction can often occur once people surpass the income level required for daily comfort and necessary purchasing power. It goes on to say that this decline in emotional well-being can be attributed to unhealthy social comparisons and unfulfilling material pursuits. Why am I telling you this? I'm not going to say that we should all aim for less than 95K. I'm not going to say that we should lower our career expectations or aspirations. That's not, that would not be biblical advice. We're called to bring the fullness of who we are to this economy so that we can provide flourishing for our family and our community. I open with this article because we're living in an era of self-medication via spending. Those who can afford it are often projecting an image of success with their stuff in order to distract themselves and others 
from their own perceived inadequacies. The research is showing that retail therapy simply doesn't work. And in the long run, it actually leads to a decline in overall well-being. Spending and buying and improving our image might numb us a little bit, but it doesn't solve the issue within. Our psalm this morning is instructing us to not be impressed or intimidated by someone else's material objects. On the contrary, we're called to be discerning people that can see through the surface in order to understand and serve the heart of those around us. Culturally, we have this habit of reducing our neighbor's success in life to the material level. When we do this, 99% of who they actually are remains unknown to us. This habit dehumanizes them, and it also dehumanizes us. If we dwell at the surface and believe that someone's doing good because of where their kid is going to school, what street their house is on, or what income level they've attained, we're going to be really crappy neighbors and friends. We need to see the whole person so that we can serve and encourage people in the areas that they're trying to cover up. Our first teaching point illustrated that wealth cannot redeem us or save us. Only God can do that. Our second is calling us to adjust our perception so that we can better see and serve others as they trust in things that can't redeem or save them. Whether it's your child, your friend, your coworker, or your spouse, you got to look through the surface to see their heart, and then you got to go care for it. Our third and final point can be found in verse 20. Success without understanding leads to a limited life. In 1931, a young New Yorker by the name Clifford Roberts founded what would become one of the world's greatest golf courses and tournaments. He, with the help of Georgia native Bobby Jones, created the concept, built the grounds, then assembled the founding members of Augusta National Golf Club. Roberts was a partner in Wall Street-based brokerage firm Reynolds & Company. He, was all, he would also go on to own several Coca-Cola bottling plants in various countries throughout the world. By 1970, from a material standpoint, Cliff Roberts had made it. He was worth millions. He had personally developed Augusta National and the Masters. He had also been best friends with some of the most powerful men in American history. Unfortunately, all of this life accomplishment was to no avail. In his later years on the banks of Ike's Pond, on the eighth green of the Augusta National Park Three course, Cliff Roberts shot himself. He had it all, but lacked a fundamental understanding of God and his purpose for our life. This lack of understanding ultimately led to a lonely, empty, and eventually a hopeless existence. The life of Cliff Roberts 
serves as an example of what happens if we set out to build our own kingdom apart from God. We cannot fully excel as human beings, and we will not fully enjoy our talent, our wealth, or our accomplishments if they've not been properly oriented under God for the building of his kingdom. Have you ever known someone of immense talent and ability that just couldn't bring it all together? Someone who could achieve really great things in life, but just kept getting in their own way. This illustration serves as a microcosm of the much broader plight that we as human beings experience. We may have a unique skill set and a prosperous vocation. We may have a beautiful family and an extensive social network. The truth is, we won't achieve or enjoy the fullness of these things unless we get out of our own way and invite God in. Our heart needs to understand and needs wisdom that is found only in the creator and sustainer. We need to learn from him how to do things the right way. We need to be discipled by the Spirit of God if we want our practice to experience full quality and quantity of fruit. We need to glean wisdom from the Word of God if we want to be our best at nurturing and guiding our children. We need to be sanctified by our good and holy Father if we want to to better love and care for our friends. Our psalm this morning cautions that it won't do us any good to start building skyward unless we first established a foundation that will endure. We need wisdom and understanding or we won't reach anywhere near our potential and we won't be able to fully enjoy our ensuing wealth and our life experiences. Whew, that was a lot. I told you it was pretty direct to the point Um, So let's try to synthesize this all and uh, close it down. Economics and wealth building are beautiful things at their core. In a capitalist system, we're free to exercise our full potential by creating goods and services. Goods and services that add value to our family and our community. The point isn't for us to do this for ourselves. We're called to leverage the fullness of who we are to create goods and services that add value to our town and in turn provide for our family. As I alluded to earlier, this beautiful process only goes awry when we shift our worship from the creator to the creation. Career, income, and lifestyle are temporary accessories to our life on this side of eternity. They can be good things that add color and joy to our existence. If we take a look around, however, we see that these accessories have become gods to many of those around us. This idol worship is causing many of our peers and many of us to underperform and miss out on the fullness of who we were created to be and what we were created to accomplish. Christ shed his blood 
in order to offer us a salvation that brings wholeness and holiness into our life, our career, and our relationships. Our only hope at building an estate and a legacy that will last and truly endure is to go to him for our worship, to not worship the things in our life. By properly resting the stuff of our life at the feet of Christ, we're set free to fully bloom as spouses, parents, workers, and neighbors. If we will only keep God where he belongs in our heart, the beauties that await us in this life and the next are truly unending. We'll be set free to be the fullness of who we are and to enjoy the fullness of what this life has to offer us. May God bless you through his word this morning. I'll pray with me. Father, there's a lot there. You've given us so much wisdom that's so relevant to our life today. It's often said that the Old Testament doesn't have a lot of relevance to the 21st century, but God, Psalm 49 speaks to the heart of what we're experiencing right now. Thank you for your willingness to not leave us in this alone, but to come to us and to make us better. We need you. Please help us to lay the things of our life at your feet so that we can be set free to achieve and to enjoy, to become the fullness of who we were made to be. We can't be that person without your help. And we can't be that person if we're worshiping things in place of you. Give us a trust in you that will allow us to let go of those things. Help us to offer those things to you. I ask this in your name. Amen.